sermon this morning from Romans chapter 1. We're going to pick up at verse 28 through verse 32. Romans chapter 1, verses 28 to 32. Let me give us just a bit of context. Um, and it's so important we get this context. And it's so important for you. I've said this before, but we have podcasts. We have YouTube. You, you need to, if you're going to be a part of this church, you need to follow the sermon series, okay? Because we're going to get to chapter 5, and we're going we're to read some of these verses in Romans that everybody loves. God demonstrates his own love for us, and while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. We're going to get to Romans 8. All things work together for good, but we don't get to 5, and we don't get to 8 without going through 1. And when we go through 1, through 4, 5 means so much more. How much more does it mean when we get to Romans 5 that we understand and we have grappled with our sinful nature, our sinful hearts, our sinful desires? How much more does that mean to us when we get to chapter 8? All things are working together for good when we realize what that looks like. And so I just want to encourage you, I don't get money off this, but, but please, uh, we try to make it as easy and as available for you as possible. Please follow along because... Verse 28 just picks up this thought. It's the third week kind of in this section. Uh, the context um, was uh, the, the wrath of God is being poured out, right? So the wrath of God, I mean, in my prayer, the wrath of God, we, we see it everywhere in our society. And Romans helps us make sense of that. A good God in a world full of wrath and brokenness and hurricanes and shootings our God makes sense of that for us. We Christians have a hope in the midst of that. And it's not in government. And it's not in military. It's not in man. It's not in us. It's in our God. And, and so that's where we are. He said uh, this wrath has come because uh, humanity as a whole has turned its back on God. And it exchanged the truth of God for lies. And as a result, they have worshipped things that were created rather than the Creator. And last week, uh, as a result of that worship, uh, humanity exchanged what was natural for the unnatural. Now, last week was the longest sermon I may have ever preached. So I just want to warn you, you may need to drive to Tulsa to catch it all on the podcast. Uh, it was the longest one, and there were still two pages of notes. Uh, and it was long because it's important. We are in a battle here, and how we handle this as followers of Christ, is so important. It might be the mark of this generation of Christians. And I want to encourage you to listen to it. I want to encourage you to think through it. And I want to encourage you to think as we face all of these challenges to the Word of God, gender, sexuality, we will be invited to join others in this fight. And we must be careful who we join in this fight. We might be co-belligerents to some political things, and if we get tagged with that, the gospel will be at stake. And so we must be very careful and very biblical with how we deal with these things. Um, and, and so uh, so we move on. Here we go. Verse 28. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. And since, oh, because of what we'd seen before, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, 
covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. The world needs the gospel. Maybe part three. I titled this message 22 Vices, and if you were reading or following, you might have counted 21 and thought, huh, what's that 22nd? Well, stay tuned to the very end. I have a surprise vice for you, so uh, don't fall asleep on me. Uh, so they exchanged the truth of God for lies. They exchanged God for idols. They exchanged natural for unnatural. They exchanged the wisdom of God for the foolishness of man, the worship of God for the worship of idols. Here, it starts by saying we have an exchange of acknowledgement. So that's one of the key words there in verse 28, acknowledge. They did not see fit to acknowledge God. That means to give God his rightful place. Have any of you ever done orienteering? Okay, so orienteering, I, I would be just the worst in the world at that. If you've ever been at the house and said, hey, Mark, where's that little hunting spot you go to? I'll say, it's over there. And Tammy will say, I have the worst sense of direction. It's just horrible. It, it is always off. I mean, just always off. And uh, I think Tom Tom was the was the reason because Tom Tom would always have you going straight. So even if you took a turn, it would all right it. And so I was always going either left or right, not north or south, not east or west, left or right. And um, I, I have this terrible uh, sense of of direction and orientation, but. Um, as, as we were considering this natural for unnatural last week, I wanted to talk just about that concept of orienteering. So orienteering is usually referred to as, as kind of a contest. So uh, people will gather in the woods. Hopefully they haven't cheated. It's a place they don't know. They'll be given a compass and a map. And on that map, there will be points where they're supposed to go and check in. Now, unfortunately, my son, Luke, is worse than me. Like, I, I didn't know it was possible. He's worse than me. Um, we lived in a place for six years, and he would still turn the wrong way. Like, how do you do that, son? He goes, I don't know. I said, I'm sorry, son. I gave you that and my love handles. Hopefully, I gave you something good, too. <laughs> but you get the map, and you have a compass. Now, what does that compass have? What is so important for a compass to have a true a true north. That compass is useless if the pen doesn't have a true north. Now, uh, I think it was two years ago, right in the midst of COVID, Tammy's stepsister, uh, Kay's st stepdaughter, she'll give you all the details because I'll mess some of it up, uh, a doctor in charge of a lot of doctors, was a hospitalist and then kept just getting promoted, promoted, who knows uh, what, who she's in charge of, but lots of people. I just know her as Dee Dee, this little girl that we used to fight when we did dishes together, but she's something. 
in the midst of this pandemic, she would do all these wonderful things for her doctors. She would show up with cookies. People were dying. People were getting sick while caring for others. Kind of when they were able to get their heads above water, they had this big meeting and they gave her this award, the True North Award. Um, and it just, it, it, I don't know if you could give another person a better award than that. And it, it, it said, you exhibited in the height of a pandemic, in the height of fear and anxiety, you exhibited what the medical profession is to be, a care for people. It is no surprise that when a people fail to acknowledge the God of the Bible as God, that our orientation is completely off that we lose, in a sense, a true north. So it, it makes sense, and I want you to grab your hand, minds around this. Um, if the human soul is not oriented towards the very basic truth that I am a created being, that I exist because an almighty God and creator saw fit to knit together all of these molecules and DNA and breathe a soul into me, and that gives me intrinsic worth and value. It gives me a true north of what I am. If a human being loses that, well, of course they're going to have to find orientation some other way. Right? Of course uh, they're going to say, uh, my gender and my identity... Uh, that's what orients me. That's how I am oriented. And then it, for them, it becomes sacrosanct, right? This, you can't tell me this is not me. I have figured it out in my mind and heart and friends around me. I have decided that, that this is who I am. And, and that's why they get angry if you question it. Because it's their very identity. And for the Christian, what great news. That it's not something we have to go out and seek. I said, in New Members class, I get to baptize my grandson on November 20th. And, and at the start of him even being uh, aware of who he is, um, he will have impressed on him, Matthew, you're a covenant child. You're a boy. was born into a family. A family has a relationship with God. A family whose true north is God Almighty. A family whose true north is the word that he has given to us. You will have that impressed upon you. It will be forced on him. Because he's not a dog or a cat or a girl. He's a boy. Made in the image of God. Placed in a family. And in a community, a church community. That is saying we will affirm who you are because it is right and true and when you fail we will point you back to who you are to be in Christ but a world that loses that of course they're going to grasp for something else and when they feel wrong they're going to grasp for a different identity there's a sense that they will lose something by embracing maybe what the society has put on them Maybe a construct that a male-dominated society has put on them. And feeling if I can change that, if, if that can be arranged, then, then I'll feel better inside. 
And yet our scripture tells us that we must orient ourselves towards God. We must acknowledge him. And so we're going to spend most time today just on this verse 28. The sermon in the sentence is the mind that doesn't acknowledge the God of the Bible will lose touch with its base, producing vice upon vice. The mind that does not acknowledge the God of the Bible will lose touch with its base, producing vice upon vice. And when I say the mind that acknowledges God, I, I, I mean that we acknowledge God as human beings when we know our standing before him. We acknowledge him when I say, I, I'm going to take what the Bible says about you as true and that my standing before you is only capable because of this gospel. My, my, I, my identity and orientation is as a rescued, adopted child of God. I belong to him. He has purchased me. He has ownership over me. He names me, cares for me, leads me, directs me, feeds me, disciplines me. He is my father. I am his child. The mind that doesn't acknowledge God in that sense will lose its base. And so that's the description that he gets here. In orienteering, you're given a map and a compass. Our God is both. He gives us the map. We call it sanctification as a Christian. We see our life even though the Greek word is the way I live my life, there is a sense of growth and movement and purpose. He gives us a map and he gives us the compass. That is what our God does to his people. That is what it means when we acknowledge him as God. It means we wake up and we exist for him. It doesn't mean that we have annexed him to some part of our life, uh, that there's an, it's an emergency that we call when we need. It means that we believe he has the best for us, that to walk alongside and with him in light of his word, the power of his spirit and the community of his people is what is best for me and how we have oriented ourselves. So he talks about this debased mind. So we're going to look at that. And then we'll look at all these marks of the debased mind. And lastly, this unholy community. So debased, some of your Bibles might say depraved. Um, all of these different words come out. And that Greek word goes all throughout the New Testament in many different ways. Depraved often is one of the interpretations. It means depraved mind has a marked indifference to human life. Cares little about human life and, and mostly about other human life. Uh, it's referred to as an unqualified mind, a worthless mind, debased, depraved, 2 Corinthians 13. They use this word to describe someone who's failed a test, a mind that is not qualified for what is intended to do. Right? I've watched this in my poor mother as her mind has gone. The other day I was driving her home from the hospital, and she was amazed at all the cars. She just kept going on, Maki boy, look at all the cars, look at all the cars, and we drove past Lundgren. Look at all those cars. I said, yeah, well, that's a car dealership. She said, <laughs> we got to stop like she goes, Marky boy, I want a pet donkey. I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> a donkey. I want a pet donkey. I'm like, mom, donkeys are mean. They bite. They kick. They're stubborn. So we drive on a little further. She's like, could you get me a Christian donkey? She goes, 
<laughs> and I'm like, Mom, those are the worst. <laughs> as the mind has gone, right, we wrestled as kids. We wrestled with her. She didn't know it was going. Right? We wrestled. Mom, Mom you're not able to manage the books anymore. We made proof. Look, look, Mom, you overpaid this six months in a row. You're, 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 it, it, you haven't done anything wrong. You're not sinful, Mom. It's just, it's just slowly it is going. The apostle here says, when we don't acknowledge God, that it is as if our mind is shriveled and it is, it is not capable of doing what it is supposed to do. It loses its base. And denying the creator does this. It turns us from a beloved, important image bearer uh, to a result of mutations and accidents that somehow has survived. I've told you about my friends, the Sanders. Our kids stay, some of our kids stay at the Sanders house on the way to Florida. Uh, the Sanders have a sign in their front door, and it says something like this Life is full of choices. Remove your shoes or don't come in. <laughs> And so uh, I, I would come in uh, a little bit naughty and leave my shoes on, and the little girls would be like, Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark, you got to take your shoes off. And I'd take them off. And so I got used to taking them off. One day I came in the side door, you know, in from the garage, like the family door, and I forgot. I forgot to take my shoes off. I'm sitting there, and Esther looks at me. She's like, really? I'm like, oh, oh I, I came in the side door. Why don't you have a sign on the side door? She's like, well, I don't have a sign on the side door because that's where the family comes in and our kids know. We don't have to tell them that every time. And in some sense, when we orient our mind to God, we learn. We learn his law. It doesn't become tedious. It makes sense. It brings life. It promotes great relationships, good society, good community. We orient ourselves. And that's funny because it's, you know, it's Greg's house, so it's his rules. Mostly it's Esther's house and her rules. But we like to say it's Greg's house and his rules. When we see ourselves as a created being, when we see our world as God's authoritative home, right? We, we submit ourselves to him. We submit ourselves to him. It is his world. It's my father's world. Shines in all that's fair. I belong to him. I follow him. It's interesting. Um, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees in Matthew 22, the Pharisees heard and they silenced the Sadducees. So they go to test him, to question him. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Right? Think about that. Acknowledging God. Jesus is saying the great and first, the primary, the start of it all for you is to know and love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Verse 38, this is the great and first commandment and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Love God first. Orient your life to him. And then love people. He will teach you how to love people. He will design you to love 
people. He will save you for that. That is the answer that Jesus gives. It's the correct answer. They can't argue with him. It comes out of Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. I think if we asked maybe the average American, what's the greatest commandment today? I think it might be something like this. You shall love yourself and be true to yourself above all others. And a second is like it. You shall affirm other people in the way they choose to identify, live, and act. In parentheses, as long as it doesn't hurt an animal, the planet, or a child. Oriented towards self. You will love yourself and be true to yourself above all others. The second is like it. I'll affirm other people in the way they choose to identify, live, and act. Furthermore, I would say that if they are to acknowledge God, it is only if he would perform at any given time in the ways that I wish or call for him to perform. A debased mind finds its base in something else, and it leads to this whole list of vices. Before we get to that list of vices, I, I just want to tell you that, parents, this is why your children need to be taught and catechized. They need to. The world is giving them a different orientation. The world is telling them, trust your heart, be true to yourself. And it's so dangerous. That's why a child should never pick the church you join. It's why a coach or a boss should never have first place in the family calendar. It's why non-Christian people do not set the agenda for our church or the tone for our worship services. We orient it all towards God and his word. Our text says now God gave them over. They deny his existence, his authority. They didn't consider that it was good or it was right or it was worthwhile to acknowledge him. And he gives them over. And then we get this list. Verses 29 to 31, the marks, I call this the marks of the debased mind. Now, this is a, this is a largest list of its kind, really, in the New or the Old Testament. Um, and it's to show, in some sense, this general scope of fallenness. All of this comes out of it. It's a cascading effect from a mind that has said, I'm not going to acknowledge God. And so these first four things, it says they're filled with these. These are kind of general in purpose uh, in, in general, in focus, um, they're they're full. They're filled with unrighteousness. So there's no neutral. There's either righteousness uh, that we receive by faith from Christ, or unrighteousness that we ourselves have uh, earned. They're evil. Where does it come from? Where does the evil come from? A failure to acknowledge God. Why is there evil in this world? Because people fail to acknowledge God. They fail to give Him the rightful place. They've turned their backs on him. Uh, they're filled with covetousness, right? That's an absolute result of idolatry. We want something because someone else has it. And they are filled with malice, hatred for those who have something that I want. Um, secondly, they're, verse 29, it's like they're full of, uh, and this is really envy in its fruits, envy, murder, strife, deceit, and maliciousness. 
And the next two are, are sins from the tongue. Gossips, slanderers. And follow four words that describe, in a sense, the arrogance. Uh, it's, it, and it's absolutely what happens. If, if God is not at your core, then, then you have arrogantly said, I know better. And so there's this self-rule against God as he is revealed in the scriptures. And so it says four things. They're haters of God, they're insolent, they're haughty, and they're boasters. And then it closes with these six things um, that are all uh, against the natural order. They're inventors of evil instead of inventors of good. Instead of seeking to benefit others and bless others, they're inventors of evil. They are disobedient to parents. Doesn't it sound interesting when you read that whole list? Like kids, doesn't it sound kind of scary? Like all these terrible things, and then right in there, it's like they squeeze it in. It's like, you know, it's like Bo put it in there for his kids, by the way. You know, you're in there too. You're a sinner too. Uh, but it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, that, that's, that truly is part of God's design, that children would obey parents, that, that they, are, they are obeying God by obeying parents. Uh, and so these last six are, uh, in the Greek, they all have the letter A. So it's like, this is, this is the unnatural. This is the opposite. Disobedient to parents, rather than being wise, they are foolish. Rather than being faithful, they are faithless. Rather than having a heart of compassion, they are heartless. Rather than seeking the good of others, they are ruthless. Um, this list, at least a couple of reasons that it's there. One is it does explain to us what these effects are. It allows us to look back when we see this and say, yeah, that's what happens when our mind loses touch with its true north. Also, it tells us what God loves. It tells us what builds community. Christian community. Based on the opposite of all of these. It's to look like the opposite of all these. But also, please, please listen. We don't get rid of these things by trying harder. You don't put that list up there and say, this week I'm going to try harder. The only way that you get rid of these things is to turn your heart back towards God. Turn your heart back towards that true north. Oh, God, I'm a gossiper. I'm a slanderer. Oh, God, I'm boastful. Oh, God, I don't want to obey my parents. Turn yourself back to him. Father, forgive me. Father, let me trust in your order. I know there are times, that, Father, I think I could do a better job of ruling this world. I could fix things better than they are. That's how, that's how we get rid of this list. We don't send you out there and say, all right, try harder this week. Hide those sins. Just don't say what you're thinking. It's not that. It is reorienting ourselves back to him. But there's one last one. The third point, this would be vice 22. This is the bonus vice. <laughs> Verse 32, look at verse 32 with me. Though they know God's righteous decree, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. John Chrysostom uh, says with this verse, we're not only bent on damning ourselves, but we congratulate others in the doing of those things that we know have their issue in damnation. John Murray says, iniquity is most aggravated when it meets with no inhibition from the disapproval of others. 
and when there is a collective dissenting approbation. So you've heard me talk about the rule of middle school boys. Sorry, middle school boys, but this is kind of the rule of thumb. I had this rule of middle school boys uh, when my boys were in middle school, and I used to say, you know, boys, uh, on your own you have half a brain. But when there's two of you, it goes down to a quarter of a brain. <laughs> and each time we add one more, there's less brain. Uh, that, that, that group, right? They get together. They're okay by themselves, but they get together, and all of a sudden, one dares another, dares another, and all of a sudden, Luke, why are you jumping from the tree onto the roof of the house? Because Hunter said I couldn't do it. Okay, right? Um, he's saying that, that that's what happens. The debased mind longs for community, and that community, rather than doing the hard work of Christian community, Christian community is hard. It's not always comfortable. You know, it's not always easy. Christian community is like, I, I, I'm going to open my heart up to other people looking at it and poking around in it. The debased mind says, uh, I've found this unholy community, and we see it, right? It's easy to see that in the world. I just think about the different kind of bars, right? They're biker bars. Right? I think uh, if I show up in a biker bar and I'm driving Tammy's Kia, I'll probably get beat up, right? I don't belong there, right? There are cop bars, I guess. You know, where all the cops go, that's the cop bar. There are gay bars, right? There, there are uh, Wall Street bars where you got to wear the suit, right? There's a sense that community and humans long for it. We unfortunately long for community that is easy, where I can go, where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came, right? We can go because no one's going to hold us accountable. In Christian community, we can't be fake about this and say, I'm going to a Christian community. I'm meeting with the pastor. You know, early on in our days, I would always joke that when Tammy and I left whatever Three Rivers party, that they'd turn the music up and they'd open up the, the alcohol cupboard, you know. Pastor's gone, you know. Boom, 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 let's start it, right? We don't, we don't fake it because we don't have to. We don't have to. Members of this community are those who believe I only belong because Christ has bought me. There are three characteristics of this community, and I'll, I'll close with this. There's a willful denial of consequences. He says here they know that there are such things that deserve death, but they deny its consequences. This community will tell you the consequences of sin are so insignificant compared to the pleasures. Secondly, there is no desire to stop it or fight it. They continue in it. And thirdly, they encourage others to it. Christian, this calls you and I to look critically at our community. Who do you commune with? Who do you have life shared with? And what is that community promoting in you? What is that community there to celebrate or correct in you? Righteousness or unrighteousness? There are many well-intentioned Christians who befriend the lost in seeking to build a relationship with the unconverted end up being swept into the vices. Careful of the types of community and what you expect from each 
I long for us to be engaged in our city. I long for you to have friends who do not know Christ, but do not let those friends, that community, direct your life. Do not let that community be the one that you long for appreciation and acceptance more than any other communities. It will drag you down. There are two doors in the Sanders house, but there is one door in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the good shepherd. Christian, in your mind, acknowledge God. His presence, His worthiness, His worth. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, the Proverbs say, and He will direct your paths. He will make your way straight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the clarity and the simplicity in which your gospel is presented. May we see our own tendencies, Father, to find community and value outside of your gospel. May we see these vices as they take root in our hearts and work our way back to you. In repentance and faith, will you cleanse your people? Will you build a community here, Father, that is righteous, that is holy, that is welcoming, and that breeds acts of righteousness. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.